and welcome to another lecture presented by the Syracuse New York class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. The school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. The school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year 1958. We hold classes in the United States and certain other foreign countries. The Syracuse branch was established in 1969. The Dean of the Syracuse branch is Dr. Patrick Trevison. The president is Dr. Robert Welch and the vice president is Dr. John Cometti. In the school, we use the true, correct and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul filled with the Holy Spirit tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and God's many, but we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means Elohim is the title our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part in a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language have any characters or letters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus and Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our father and his son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit. And in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in this pure spirit state symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on this chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in his pure spirit state, he took on shape and took on form right within himself as Yahweh Elohim. This is the word or son, a superincorporeal being, which is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form could only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself 
in a physical body and walk the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now, there's only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is what was the name of the Savior during the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface of the Holy Name Bible. Also in the school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, he called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court round about. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of this threefold tabernacle pattern, and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The primary constitutional objectives and aims of the Institute are as follows. One is to help you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Two, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah without distinction of race or nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Three, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Four, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, modern, practical, and occult science. Five is to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Six, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seven, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons, operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eight, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Nine, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained, there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. 10, to inherit eternal life now, in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah, with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is to speak the truth. At this time, I'd like to have the class dedicated in prayer by Dr. Daryl Hules. That'll be followed by a scripture reading, which is Matthew 26 chapter, verses 17 through 30. That will be read by Dr. Linda Volpe from Oceanside. And um, the other reader for tonight will be Dr. Dave Frankowski, also from Oceanside. Let us all bow our hearts and minds. Yahweh, our Elohim, through Yahshua the Messiah, we just come before you. And we, we, we praise you and thank you for bringing us down here, for calling us, drawing us, and bringing us down here and opening us up so that we can know something about you, that you loved us enough to know know your, your great nature and to give us a way to know you. We're thankful for these classes. 
that we could attend and continue to grow. We ask that you'll just help us to focus our hearts and minds on, on you in the spirit. Um, please take any distractions of the physical away from us now so that we might continue to experience your love and grow in it. Uh, we ask this in your great name, Yahweh, in the name of your son, Yahshua, the Messiah. Let us all say hallelujah. 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 I'll be reading from the King James Version of the Bible, and it's a Schofield edition, and I will be inserting the proper and true names where applicable. I'll be reading Matthew, the 26th chapter, starting at 17 through 29. Now on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Yahshua saying unto him, where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? And he said, go into the city to such a man and say unto him, the master saith, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Yahshua had appointed them and they made ready the Passover. Now, when the evening was come, he sat down with the 12. And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful and began every one of them to say unto him, Master, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not just not been born. Then Judas, who betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou hast said. And as they were eating, Yahshua took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, whoops, 29. <laughs> that was Matthew 17, uh, 26, 17 through 29. Thank you, um, Dr. Daryl Hules and Dr. Linda Volpe. Um, I'd like to thank everybody for coming. We're gonna have a three speaker format tonight and uh, you will see a uh, five minute sign letting you know that you uh, have five minutes left. And um, I'd like to ask Dr. Kathy Hules from Pennsylvania to be our first speaker. It's an honor and a privilege always to have anything to say about Yahshua the Messiah, our creator. And it's just so important that people in class and out of class start to come to the realization that Yahweh is real. And like the moderator said, Yahweh is pure spirit. And in this state, he's inscrutable. But he is made up of intelligence, wisdom, knowledge, beauty, love, justice, foundation, power, and strength. These attributes are what Yahweh is. 
and they are such a high, in a high state that we can't comprehend Yahweh in this state. So what Yahweh does, because he has instinctive love for his offspring, philoprogenitiveness, is he takes on shape and form right within himself as Yahweh Elohim, the word or son. And the reason he's called the word in this state of creation, this manifestation, is because this is how Yahweh expresses his righteous divine nature. Yahweh Elohim is the word or son. And just like a son has the genetics of his parents, Yahweh Elohim has the divine genetics or the attributal makeup or nature of Yahweh. And it's he who we're trying to understand and at the end of this age, just like at the end of each age in the realm of time, like Yahweh gave Noah a vision at the time of the flood. And Yahweh Elohim gave John the Baptist a vision of how to point out the Messiah for salvation. And down here at the end of this age, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley had a vision and revelation straight from Yahweh Elohim. He is real. And he said, you make me prove it to your satisfaction. And he also said, what Yahweh has shown me, the, he has said, based on the vision and revelation that he received, the world is wrong in the way they're going about to worship their creator. And the creator has given us a way to know him. Like I said, Yahweh took on shape and form as Yahweh Elohim. You can read this in Exodus 24, 9 and 10, that they saw the Elohim of Israel. And then he himself in John 1, 1, it said, in the beginning was the word. That's talking about the shape and form, not your Bible. But the word is Yahweh's divine attributes in shape and form. And he transformed into a tabernacle pattern to break that shape and form down. But I'll get into that a little bit. But in the beginning was the word and the word was with Yahweh and the word was Yahweh. That's John 1, 1. In John 1, 14, it says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. See, now how we can know Yahweh is through the manifestations that he has come down in. And the, the ultimate manifestation that he came down in was the flesh. And it says in John 14, 6, Yahshua said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. So if we're going to know anything about Yahweh and his great purpose, and where the world is at in the way they're worshiping the creator, we've got to go through Yahshua the Messiah, because he's the one that can reveal the Father to us. In Matthew eleven twenty seven, it says, no man knows the father but the son and to whomsoever the son will reveal him by his Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. I added that last part. But Yahshua said, if you want to know me, you got to go back to Moses. That's John 5, 39. He said, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and they are they which testify of me. Can I have Luke 24, 25 and 20 through 27 and then 44? And in John 5, 30, 45, he said, Moses wrote of me. If you want to know me, you got to go back to Moses. 
And I'm going to want John 17, 3, as well as Luke 23, er, 24. The moderator already told you we're using the true names of Yahweh and Yahshua in the divine title of Elohim. Under this covenant, we can call our Elohim Yahshua because it is one spirit. After his death, burial, resurrection, he ascended back to this state and poured out his Holy Spirit on the vessels that he has chosen for mercy. Okay, Luke 24, 25 through 27 and 44. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. O fools and slow of heart, why didn't you believe what the law and the prophets spoke about Yahshua? We didn't know that. The law is the first five books of your Bible authored by Moses as a result of the divine vision and revelation he had on Mount Sinai after he delivered the children of Israel out of bondage from Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and brought them to this mount. Moses was called up into the mount, and he saw, in his second trip, he saw a vision of Yahweh Elohim transform into this tabernacle and transform into the creation that he made. Yahweh Elohim showed Moses a rerun of how he brought the Genesis in. This wasn't the actual Genesis. Moses is seeing a vision. So Yahshua the Messiah is telling us, go back to Moses, because we've got to go back to the vision that Yahweh Elohim gave back in the law with Moses. Moses wrote the first five books as a result of his vision. And then the prophets wrote as a result of Yahweh Elohim, that visionary shape and form of Yahweh, coming to them, the patriarchs, and telling them what to write down in the Bible and telling them what to do in the earth plane. As it says in 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21, it says, uh, I'm just going to quote the last part. Um, Holy men of Yahweh spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So the creator came forth. He masterminded a purpose and he's carrying it out through Yahweh Elohim or Yahshua. <clears throat> And when he's in this state as Yahshua the Messiah in the flesh, he said, go back to Moses. Go ahead and read Luke 24. Verse, verse 26. Ought not Yahshua to have suffered these things and to be entered into his glory? It's Isaiah 8 and 20. To the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, there's no light in them. Because the law and the prophets or the testimony of the prophets are pointing out Yahshua. That's what he's saying. They witness to me. Why don't you know? No. Why are you so slow of heart to believe the scriptures that they testify of me? That I have to go through a death, burial, and a resurrection. According to the scriptures. Read. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. 44. And he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. He's fulfilling. Look at this is Yahweh himself, Yahweh Elohim in a body. This is the creator 
talking to us, telling us he's fulfilling. And he is one with the Father. He's a unity and not a trinity. And the word trinity isn't even in your Bible. And that's what they teach in Christianity. They also teach that he came to institute a Christian way of life. I have a Baltimore catechism to prove it. The questions were asked in the catechism. Why was Yahshua doing all the things he was doing in the physical, like different baptisms and eating the Lord's Supper? And they said he was instituting a Christian way of life. Institute isn't even in your Bible. So if we go back to Moses, like Yahshua told us to, we see Yahweh Elohim, see, on the mount. Well, let me start from the beginning. Yahweh Elohim sent Moses down to deliver the children of Israel. He gave him a vision at the burning bush. Visions are not so strange. He gave him a vision of his name and he gave him signs to show Pharaoh and the children of Israel that Yahweh had come down to deliver them. And he told them about the Passover lamb that they were to partake of. And we're going to get into that. But I want to go back to how that Yahweh Elohim spoke a law back at Mount Sinai. And can I have John 17, 3 and Romans 1, 19 and 20, and then Hebrews 9. John 17, 3, Romans and this, 1, 19 and oh, 20, and Hebrews 9. John 17, 3. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee. The it's eternal life to know Yahweh, our Elohim, our Savior. Keep going. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true Yahweh, our Elohim, and Yahshua, the Messiah, whom thou hast sent. This is eternal life, not how you get it. This is spiritual life, to know Yahweh, not academic facts know Yahweh like you take a college course, but like Adam knew Eve and she conceived. We want to conceive of our creator's divine attributes, which are holy. That's the Holy Spirit that we are after. And that's who, what we're trying to see when the creator is working his purpose down through ages and dispensations according to a pattern. He is showing us how he is the creator himself in a body that came to die for our sins bury and resurrect on the third day, according to the scriptures. And then 50 days later, not 2000 years later, 50 days later from the time in Acts, the first chapter where they, where the disciples see Yahshua go up in a cloud, 50 days later, he came back. See, from the time of his resurrection, 50 days, well, it's 53 days from the death of the lamb. Yahshua was called the lamb of Yahweh in John 1, 53 days from the death of the lamb and the new covenant or the Holy Spirit is poured out. And that's what's called Pentecost. The new covenant is poured out just like 53 days from the death of the lamb down in Egypt and the old covenant came in. And that's why what, what I want to talk about, because uh, go ahead and read the other scriptures. Romans one nineteen and twenty. Romans one nineteen, mm -hmm. because because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them, for Yahweh has shown it unto them. You can know the Creator of the universe; He's real, and the devil's real. Yahweh Elohim created a devil to be a worthy opponent. He created him to lie and deceive, so that we would need the Creator to tell us the truth and overcome the lie. 
Now, uh, read that again, please. Because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them. You can know Yahweh. He's manifested his truth, his spiritual principles in us, in the creation and in us. Go. For Yahweh has shown it unto them. And it's Yahweh that showed it unto them, us. Don't think anybody here in class can show you a thing. All we can do is preach Dr. Kinley's vision and Yahshua has to give you the increase right within you. He has to give you his Holy Spirit. And that's been in his purpose from the beginning. His purpose is soul salvation. And the devil is opposite to that. He doesn't want you to be saved. He's going to the lake. He was cast out of heaven for his disobedience and he is reserved in this earth plane until the time of the consummation and he's going to the lake and he wants to take everybody he can with him. So we go to the creator to understand. We go to the things that are made to understand the creator. Keep going. Verse 20, for the invisible things of him. From the, the invisible creator. attributes of Yahweh, our Elohim. Read. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. See, we can clearly see Yahshua, Yahweh Elohim, down through the ages and dispensations by looking at the creation that he made. He's operating everything by a threefold pattern just like Yahweh, Elohim, and Yahshua are threefold. And this tabernacle pattern that Moses saw in the divine vision on the mount there 3,500 years ago, that is the pattern that Yahweh, Elohim, created everything by because it's a breakdown of himself. And he, Yahweh, Elohim, is the archetype original pattern of the universe. And this pattern is a most holy place, a holy place in a court roundabout, but it's one tabernacle. And it's pointing to Yahshua the Messiah. He tabernacled, that was the creator, tabernacling among us. And all the principles in this tabernacle are fulfilled in Yahshua. There were 12 tribes around this tabernacle, following it around and learning about Yahweh. Didn't Yahshua have 12 disciples following him around and learning about Yahweh? In Exodus 25, 8 and 9, Yahweh Elohim said, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Yahweh Elohim dwelt in this tabernacle. Didn't Yahweh Elohim dwell in this tabernacle? And Yahweh Elohim was back here with Moses and he was even in a physical body as Joshua, the son of Nun. Come on back to class, we'll get into it. But right now I wanna to talk to you about what the world has wrong about Yahweh and his purpose, which is everything. The world doesn't know anything for truth about Yahweh and his purpose. And we'll start with this, uh, holiday of Easter. Easter really comes from pagan origins. Easter uh, was also known as Astaroth and Solomon in 1 Kings, the 11th chapter worshiped Astarte, which is another name for Easter. They're pagan fertility gods. That's, that's why you have around the time of Easter, you know, Easter eggs and Easter rabbits, Easter, uh, eggs and rabbits show forth fertility. But Yahshua did not come in and fulfill the law and the prophets so that we could celebrate a physical holiday called Easter. 
Romans 1, 19 and 20 said we can go to the things that are made to understand spiritual things about our creator. When he comes in in the physical body as Yahshua. Now, here's something that was made. Hebrews, the ninth chapter. One and then skip down to nine. Hebrews 9, 1. Then mm -hmm. verily. The first covenant had also ordinances of divine service. Now, this first covenant happened after chil the children of Israel were in a death-like state. The lamb died to get them out of that bondage. They put the four points of blood on the doorpost. They went through the Red Sea that was heaped up as a tunnel, and they resurrected into the wilderness. And Yahweh spoke the Ten Commandment law down to them, and they said, all that Yahweh has said, we will do. There was a covenant made here between Yahweh Elohim and Israel. He called them his husband and they were his bride. Okay. There was a tabernacle made. And this tabernacle was the foundation for the old covenant way of worship that Yahweh set up back there with Moses. Now, Yahweh Elohim is right here. He's right back there with the children of Israel, living right among them. See? And he set up this old covenant for them to do if they wanted to be right in his sight. And the old covenant, can I have the carnal ordinance chart, please? The carnal ordinance chart deals with the Old Testament or the Old Covenant. Testament and covenant are interchangeable. And Yahshua fulfilling the Old Covenant, members, he said he came to fulfill. In Matthew 3.13, he said he came to fulfill. In John uh, 5.36, Yahshua said, the works that the Father has given me to finish, they bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. Well, there were many works that Israel were supposed to keep under the old covenant. Can you give me Deuteronomy 625, please? Deuteronomy 6 and 25. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before Yahweh our Elohim as he hath commanded us. Well, I wanna tell you and save you a whole lot of scripture reading. The children of Israel broke that covenant not 40 days Moses was gone up in the mount. They built a golden calf. One of the laws was don't have any other gods before me. That was the Ten Commandment law, the first law. See, Israel broke this covenant. But the, the covenant is showing forth something about Yahshua the Messiah and the new covenant. First of all, Yahweh Elohim knew that Israel could not keep this covenant. Skip over uh, to uh, Deuteronomy 8, would you please, Dave? Deuteronomy 8, I think it's 2. Yahweh Deuteron gave you the covenant to prove you, know what was in your heart. Uh, Deuteronomy 8 and 2. And thou shalt remember all the way which Yahweh thy Elohim led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee. He gave them this law to prove them and to humble them. Look, they were slaves down in Egypt and he still had to humble them when they came into the wilderness. And he did it by this law. This law was an opposition to them. They, it, 
they couldn't keep it. And he knew they couldn't keep it. Do you think Yahweh didn't know what was in Israel's heart? He knew they were carnal minded. The carnal mind goes with the carnal covenant. Yahweh starts out with a carnal minded creature and he works his purpose to save them from being carnally minded, which is spiritual death and not knowing Yahweh to being spiritually minded and knowing the creator and having his spirit in you and causing you to do the works of faith under this covenant, not the works of the old covenant that to earn your righteousness. So let me just talk about one of these works. I want to talk about the Passover supper because this is where they get Easter from. That's why it comes around April. Let's go to Exodus, the 12th chapter, because Yahshua the Messiah is fulfilling. Exodus 12. And I'm, I know I'm not going to get to finish this, but hopefully I'm just going to pass the baton. Exodus 12, 1. And Yahweh's Elohim spoke unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Okay. Um, I want also verse eight. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Okay. So there, there should be nothing left of it. Uh, Barosu, okay. I, I think that, uh, oh, it's 10. I'm sorry. Okay. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. I'm going to need that... Matthew 26, 17. Go ahead, keep going, Linda. I'm and sorry. that which remaineth of it until the morning, you shall burn with fire. Okay, so you don't keep any of it. And then 11 talks about putting the blood on the doorposts, right? And 12 uh, uh, and no, 13. Uh, yeah. Okay, put, you don't have to read that. I want you to read 14. It's a memorial. Yeah, the, the blood on the post is seven. Okay, okay and, and it's also in 13, but that's okay. I don't okay. want that. I want 14. Okay. Because I'm on and, the clock. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast to Yahweh throughout your generations. No, look. Th that's okay. Th it was supposed to be a feast every year to prove to them that Yahweh saved them from Pharaoh and, his, and, and the bondage of Egypt through the blood of the Lamb. Okay. Um, so... Yahshua the Messiah, he's got to fulfill this. In Matthew 26, start at 17. Now the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The There's a Feast of Unleavened Bread. They're getting ready to keep the Passover. Go ahead. The disciples came to Yahshua saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to such a man and say unto him, the master saith, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house. So Yahshua is going to keep the Passover to institute Passovers, suppers, or to institute Easter? 
which is a conglomeration of the old covenant and paganism mixed to serve you up Christianity. Okay. Keep, uh, so Yahshua's keeping the Passover with his 12, just like Israel back there, there were 12 tribes and they had to keep the Passover. And where did they have to keep it back in the law? Didn't the Israelites have to keep it in their house? Well, it said, I will keep the Passover with my and thy house with my disciples. Okay. Now verse 20, Matthew 26, 20. Now when, now when the evening was come, he sat down with the 12. See, they had to eat that at the evening time, right? Okay. Now skip to 26. And as they were eating, Yahshua took bread and Wait a minute. What were they eating? What was the menu that the children of Israel have on their tables before they left Egypt? They had to eat lamb, bread, and bitter herbs and put the blood on the doorpost before they could get out of Egypt. That shows that Yahshua the Messiah is the sacrifice that has to die for us to get out of spiritual Egypt, out of bondage to the lies of the devil. Okay? And let's get Luke 22, 19. Luke 22, 19. Mm -hmm. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave unto them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Now here he is at the table eating. He's taking bread and he's giving it to them. And he's saying, this is my body. There's a difference between this and that. What they were eating is lamb and bread. But Yahshua was trying to show them that it was a type of him. Remember me. Do this in remembrance of me. When he told the Israelites to keep that supper, weren't they supposed to remember it for all their generations? What were they supposed to remember? Yahweh was their salvation from the devil. So Yahshua saying, do this in remembrance of me. Remember me out of this Passover supper. It's all about me. He's the lamb. He's the bread. He's the truth, which is bitter to a carnal mind. See, Yahshua the Messiah fulfilled that Passover supper and nailed it to the cross, along with baptisms, circumcisions, ceremonies. He was the last sacrifice. Um, I, I need Hebrews 9.14. And 1 Corinthians 11 and 20. Uh, Hebrews 9.14, how much more shall the blood of the Messiah, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to Yahweh, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living Elohim? See, that Passover lamb died in Egypt. That blood was shed, the four points of blood on the doorpost. That correlates to Yahshua's four points of blood. It's crown of thorns, the two hands, and its feet. Four points of blood. And Yahshua is the one 
That's the true sacrifice, that the sacrifices back here, 1,500 years worth of sacrifices offered because they sinned. And every time they sinned, they had to offer up a sacrifice at the tabernacle. That happened to be the vessel of salvation at the time. But it was pointing to a more permanent vessel of salvation, and that is Yahshua the Messiah and that Holy Spirit that was in him. Yahshua the Messiah fulfilled those Passover suppers. He finished them. He didn't start them. Now uh, go to 1 Corinthians 11 and 20. 1 Corinthians 11 and 20. And I'm going to want Jeremiah 31, 31. When ye come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the, the Lord's Supper. For now, any wait a minute. Whoa. Has anybody ever heard this in church before you came to glass? I stopped going to church when I was about 12, but I never heard this. And we had communion in the Baptist church, little wafer, a uh, little uh, uh, wafer of bread and some grape juice. And we thought we were celebrating the Passover. We didn't call it the Passover. We called it the Lord's Supper, but that was wrong. When you come together into one place, this is not, capital N-O-T, underline it, to eat the Lord's Supper. Yahshua the Messiah has something better. Uh, go ahead and uh, go skip down to 25 through 29. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as Remember often me of this. When we're having this supper, remember Yahshua. Okay? That was when Yahshua was around. He ate him with him. Go ahead. He ate for, the supper with him to fulfill. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show... Yahweh's Yahshua's death till he come. You show Yahshua's death till he come. Verse 28. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Keep going. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning Yahshua's body. If you're still eating the Lord's Supper, you're not discerning Yahshua's body. He's spirit. Remember we talked about Yahweh's spirit and the spirit manifesting in the flesh and he's fulfilling the law and the prophets. And the old covenant that was set up that was made for the children of Israel for 1,490 years to keep. See, until Yahshua the Messiah came in and he came in under the law. And it wasn't until after his 33 years of his ministry or 33 years of his life his death, burial, resurrection, that the new covenant came in. See, but Yahshua fulfilled these Passover suppers. Now, Jeremiah 31, 31 through 33. There's a reality to this, folks. Yahshua never, the creator's purpose never was meant to focus on the flesh. He set up examples and types and shadows so we could learn about his spiritual principles. And how the law and the prophets point to Yahshua by the pattern. And 
the animal was offered up in the court roundabout where the, that lamb was offered up on the altar, just like that Passover lamb was offered on the altar in, in, down in Egypt and in the tabernacle, okay? Yahshua the Messiah, he's bringing in a new covenant that is not gonna be like that one where they had physical holidays and physical suppers and baptism. He fulfilled them. Now read that. Behold, Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold yep. the days the days come, saith Yahweh Elohim, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. I'm gonna not make a, a new covenant, read. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. This is not going to be like this. It was physical. Everything about it was physical. Israel's salvation from Egypt all the way to Canaan's land was physical. This old covenant was physical to a carnal-minded people that could not be obedient to Yahweh. They had no righteousness. Romans 3.10, all, all of our righteousnesses, or Isaiah 64 and 6, all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And in Romans 3.10, there's none righteous, not one, only the creator. He's the only holy one, folks. He's the express image of Yahweh. He is that divine nature. Read 30, I got the five minutes. Read 31. Okay. 31.33. Okay. Um, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith Yahweh, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts. Would and you hold that, that for me? Because I, I want to show you the reality of the Passover suppers, folks. Yahshua doesn't want us celebrating the old covenant works that were given to the Jews and the Jews only that he fulfilled and took out of the way. In Colossians 2.14, he said he nailed that old covenant to the cross and he's bringing in a new way of worship. And John 4.24 says, Yahweh is spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And it says, after those days, saith Yahweh, I'm going to write my law in their inward parts and in their hearts. And it's not going to be like the old covenant. This old covenant was physical. The new covenant is spiritual. And Yahshua is the mediator between the covenants. The old covenant dealt only with the Jews. But Yahshua the Messiah got rid of that old covenant. And at Pentecost, he actually made a atonement for the Jew and Gentile and then poured out his Holy Spirit on, on the day of Pentecost, AD 33, after his death, burial, resurrection, 53 days from his death. And then seven years later, the Gentiles Pentecost. But what I want to show you is after those days, after Yahshua's death, can I have the elementary chart, please? After Yahshua's death, burial, and resurrection, and ascension 10 days later he pours out the holy spirit and now we are eating spiritual food by the holy spirit that's been given to us see down here through the preaching of the gospel you can receive the holy spirit of truth 
You can take on your creator's knowledge and wisdom and his divine attributes. And in fact, in Romans, the eighth chapter 29, it says that he has conformed us to his very image. We now under the new covenant are getting to have the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that's in Yahweh and Elohim and Yahshua. That Holy Spirit can be within you and me. And the new spiritual supper that we're partaking of is we're eating the truth. In Jeremiah 3.15, he says, I will give you pastors that will feed you with crackers and grape juice. No, he'll feed you with knowledge and understanding. That's what you're eating. And did you know that you have teeth in your ears, Hoochkey's auditory teeth? And you know, in, uh, in Amos 8, 9, 8 and, uh, 9 there, there would be a, Amos 8 and 11, it is. There would be a famine in the land for hearing the words of Yahweh. See, we're now partaking of the spiritual reality of the old covenant. The true Passover supper now is partaking of the lamb. Revelation 13, 8, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world has broken himself down according to this pattern, all the way down through history, you see a death, burial, resurrection with the tabernacle, a death with Israel and the lamb and the burial in the Red Sea and the resurrection, death with Abraham, having Isaac dead and buried in his mind and resurrected, death, Noah's preaching the world's gonna end by the flood and they were buried in the ark and they resurrected. Adam willingly died for his bride because he loved her. And all the prophets, you see death, burial, resurrection, with Daniel thrown in the lion's den and coming out, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego thrown in the fiery furnace and resurrected and coming out. All of it was showing you Yahshua. He is the last sacrifice. He's the holy lamb. He didn't just fulfill the supper. He fulfilled the lamb of it. He is the lamb of Yahweh, the only holy one. And after his death, burial, resurrection, through the preaching of the gospel down here at the end of this age, that Holy Spirit can be within you. We don't worship Yahweh on Easter. We don't worship Yahweh by, by doing Lord's suppers, which were just a, a variation of the old covenant Passover suppers. We worship him in spirit and in truth. And we love him for breaking himself down and allowing us to know and understand him and be one with him by his spirit in us. And we don't celebrate holidays every year. We celebrate Yahshua risen within us every day of our lives. And to him be all glory for all that he has done to save our souls. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Kathy Heels. Uh, my name is Deb Cometti. I'll be your next speaker. And I just want to uh, begin by saying, I'm sure that if you were listening, you got some kind of knowledge and some kind of thought provoking information to say, what have I been, what have I been taught all my life? What have I been told by, uh, people in the church or by people, you know, my parents or my family, what have I been taught and why is it so different than what Kathy was saying? And if you'll notice, she was reading out of the book the whole time. She was getting scriptures 
and she was reading out of the book the things that the Messiah said when he came, the things that Moses said when he wrote about his vision and revelation. So she was in the beginning of the book, she was in the middle of the book, she was at the end of the book, and yet and still there was this line of truth and it was so, so different from what the churches had taught us, you know, whether any part of Christianity, you weren't going to be given the truth because they just don't have it. And I want to talk about that for just a second. I want to talk about uh, being these heirs because it's so powerful to me. Um, let's just have Hebrews uh, one in one. Start there, please. Hebrews one and one, Yahweh Elohim, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these days, hath in these days spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Okay, so if I can just say for uh, a minute there, what Kathy was showing you in Jeremiah, now he would be known as a prophet jeremiah didn't come up with that information about a um a new covenant or after these days and all that stuff he did not come up with that on his own and a lot of your ministers and your priests and your pastors when they give a sermon on sunday morning that's something that they've come up with on their own and it is not truth driven and it is not in the book so Hebrews here written they say it's unknown but it it has Paul's stamp on it so to speak he spoke at sundry times or he spoke at different times and in different ways okay he spoke in times past to the fathers now the fathers at that time is Israel the Gentiles aren't in here yet okay so he's speaking to the Gentiles and, and then it says in these last days, now that's what she, what she also was explaining about after those days and the last days, it was gonna be after Yahshua's death, burial, resurrection and the outpouring of his Holy Spirit. He has in the last days spoken unto us by his son who is correctly identified as Yahshua the Messiah and not Jesus. And it's very simple to say that there is no J in the Hebrew language, Yahshua coming into the flesh. It says in the first chapter of John, he came unto his own people, Israel. Yahshua was a Jew. He's not a Catholic. He's not a Methodist. He's not a Hindu or any other thing. He came into the flesh as a Jew, okay? And he spoke unto his people. Now, when he had a point, and he's, heir, he's had the pointed heir of all things. So what I want to say, the heir of all things, it might be better just if we go read that in John because um, it's a little bit clearer than what I'm doing with it. So I just want John, and I want you to start in John for right now, start in uh, John 1 and 9, please. John 1 and 9. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. 
He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of Yahweh, even to them that believed on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of Yahweh. So you see how he's talking about Yahweh. Now this Yahshua, he's the son He's appoint and he's been appointed heir of all things. And the thing that he is heir of is this power over all flesh, okay, to, to receive and to save the souls to as many as the Father has given him. And it says, he read in 13, okay, first of all, it says he came unto his own people, that's the Jews. They received him not, they put him on the cross. But as many as received him, he gave them the power to become the children of Yahweh. See, you didn't start out as in the Methodist church, in the Catholic church, you know, you didn't start out as the children of Yahweh. He has to convert your soul, okay? And this conversion, it says they were born, that would be born again, right? Not of blood, okay? So it's nothing to do with the flesh, nor the will of the flesh. Geez, I wish my daughter could be in Yahshua. No, it's not the will of the flesh. Geez, I wish I could uh, have my whole family. We all do, but it's not the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but the will of Yahweh. Can I have Hebrews 1 and 9? I'm sorry, Ephesians 1 and 9, please. It's it's a, a whole different matter than what um, is, is taught in, I'll just say the Methodist church, because that's where I was in my younger days. It's a whole different way of thinking that you're born into this inheritance and that you and your acts of righteousness are no good. And Kathy covered that in uh, what she was saying. So in Hebrews, I'm sorry, I keep saying Hebrews, but I mean Ephesians 1 and 9. It's just going to say a little something that maybe you hadn't thought about. And I know that it was nothing that was covered. Of course, too, you know, I was young when I had to go to Methodist church and I couldn't skip church. So I really, I didn't pay a lot of attention. So if they covered this, I didn't hear it. But in Ephesians 1 and 9, let's just read that for a minute. Oh, no, wait a minute. I got to say this. I got to pick it up in four so you get the idea of um, the, whole, the whole story. Go ahead, 1-4. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of sons by Yahshua the Messiah to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. So uh, that adoption goes along with that error that I'm talking about over in Hebrews, the first chapter. Okay, you have become an adopted son. And you know, an adoption agency, it doesn't do you any good to stand in line and say, pick me, pick me, because it's not up to you. It's up to the parents who they select. Okay. So he has selected us to be the adopted, the adopted sons or this bride of Yahshua, the Messiah. And the beauty of it is we don't have anything to do with it. So we can't look to the left and look to the right and, and see how uh, wonderful we are and all our great works of, uh, you know, holiness and righteousness. No, because we had nothing to do with it. And it's saying it right here. He predestinated us. And it's, it's something to get your mind around this. Go ahead. To the praise of the glory of his grace, 
through which he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Okay, so he's made us accepted. And she's talking up there about the praise of the glory of his grace. Now, I want to ask you something. If you're over there and you're in Matthew, the 26th chapter, and you somehow have been told that you've got to keep the Passover or you've got to do the, um, the Lord's Supper, which we did, I think, in the Methodist church, I think they only did it on the third Sunday of every month. I, I don't know what the pattern of that was about, but it was only like once a month. And uh, we too had like little pieces of bread and we had a little thimble full of grape juice. And, um, you know, I remember doing it, but I remember I, it just really was just doing it. I mean, I don't know, you're just doing it. So if you're being this predestinated son and you're experiencing and taking part in the glory of his grace, then you're not going to be doing what they're explaining here about the Passover, that you're going to keep a feast and do it in regards to you getting some kind of a righteous benefit out of it. That's just not the way it's going to happen. The righteousness of Yahweh, okay, Yahweh being pure spirit, his son being Yahshua the Messiah, the righteousness of Yahweh is faith in Yahshua the Messiah. And that's where Kathy was talking about that new covenant. Look, there's not, there's not things to do in the new covenant like there was things to do in the old covenant. So you are walking, talking, and moving by faith because you're not taking a look at yourself. And when things get weird, you're not looking back and say, oh, well, I took the, I did the Lord's Supper on Sunday. I should be good for right now. Or you're not going to have any kind of confidence in what's happening to you according to works. If something's happening to you and it's weird or it's nasty or it's, you know, whatever, you know, comes upon you, whatever calamity, you still will understand the faith of the operation of Yahshua is greater than whatever is happening. And that's what we're talking about in this new covenant. And that's what nobody in Christianity or these other spots, these other religions, do not understand they have works of righteousness and they have confidence in them and that is not what yashua is all about so keep going there linda and um let me see here Read seven. seven in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace there's that word again the riches of his grace what he's laying on you is nothing that you had a whole stack of righteous deeds and you presented them and he said, this is enough, here's your grace. Nothing like that. And you can think about your, your kids or you can think about a beloved family member or, or whoever, and you can think about doing something for them or buying them a gift. And they, they didn't come over and mow your lawn and clean your pool to get that gift. It's something that you're gonna lay on them for the joy in your heart of giving the gift. And he's talking about what he did to present himself on that cross to fulfill the works, all that Kathy talked about in that old covenant. And it was the joy of the cross to get it out of the way to save sinners. You and I are sinners. I should say were, past tense, because when you receive the Holy Spirit, this is what Linda's talking about, to receive the riches of his grace. Go ahead. 
in which he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. So listen, this thing is tightly wrapped up in a mystery. That's why nobody, and she, rec and she referenced to the um, catechism, nobody understands the mystery unless Yahweh opens it up. And I think she quoted, well, she was in Deuteronomy, but if you read Deuteronomy 29, 29, it said the secret things belong to Yahweh. Okay, so not everything's going to be known to us right this minute, but the things that he has revealed to us, they are ours forever. So see, we're not trying to like study up and work up on something. He has made it known unto us. And that's why when we see people and we hear him talk, we can tell whether or not the mystery has been opened up to them just by the things they're saying, the things that their desires are what they want to do, how they want to show their love, it has not been opened up to them. But we have the gift, okay? And this is a mystery of his will, and it was his good pleasure to wrap it up in a mystery. That's why, like, you don't just start in Genesis 1-1 and read to Revelation last and say, now I understand it, because you won't. That's not how you get it, is by reading it. You get it by revelation from the Holy Spirit. And that's how you're an heir of this Holy Spirit. And you've been adopted into this family. And we are Yashuans. Okay. There, and, and people won't understand you when they say it. They won't, they will think it's very, very odd. But you know something? They thought Noah was odd too. And they thought Yahshua was pretty odd when he came on the scene. And if you read about Jeremiah, he had some pretty odd things going on with him and what Yahshua asked him to do during his ministry and prophecy. So odd things to the world aren't odd things to Yahshua because he's moving his purpose along. And that's where we are now. We sit in, uh, you know, Zoom classes and we look at charts. And Dr. Kinley was saying in the transcript, I was reading the other day, it's called Yahshua the Creator. And he was saying that, um, one time a new person came into their class and the woman said, well, that looks like scrambled eggs. <laughs> and so I guess you could say it would until Yahshua opens up and shows you what the pattern is. It's just like looking at a, um, like a foreign language on paper to me. Oh, wow. It's totally nothing. You know, it's just all these little crazy movements of the pen. But if I were to study and learn, say, Greek, then I would begin to understand what those things meant. And that's what we, you know, our testimony is about these charts is that we've sat here and we've listened to the explanations and Yahshua has opened up what the purpose and plan is. So uh, she's going to go on to show you more about this. 10, that in a dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Yahshua, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. So do you see, we've obtained an inheritance. And I mean now, we've obtained an inheritance and we understand the purpose and the plan of Yahshua the Messiah. And our hearts are comforted. 
by this information that has become now a reality in our hearts, this doctrine that has become living, okay? We've obtained an inheritance of the attributes that Kathy was talking about, the, the wisdom and knowledge and beauty, understanding, love, foundation, power, strength, intelligence. We've in, that's our inheritance. And it's not just like wisdom so that I'm gonna you know, show up Einstein. It's not what we're talking about. We're talking about divine inheritance of these attributes a shape and a form that will please our husband, Yahshua. And that's what it's about. We're not trying to do our own will. We're not trying to get, you know, some kind of pat on the back. This is about our husband's work. And this is about us giving the praise where it belongs, which is to Yahshua. So we've obtained an inheritance. We've been predestinated. Now predestinated from where you might ask? Well, see, that goes all the way back to before this creation came in, Yahshua predestinated his sons according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will. So remember when I was over in John and I said, you know, it's not after the will of man. It's not after the will of the flesh. See, it's after the counsel of Yahshua's own will that he calls those who have been chosen. And he doesn't lose one and he doesn't get one that hasn't been selected. So it's very powerful what we're talking about here. And it's very serious. But yeah, you know, we can laugh and we can, you know, find different things humorous that we're, you know, saying, but it is life and death of your soul. And you do have a soul. And Yahshua says over there in the prophets, all souls are mine. So there you go. So you can either go to the lake with that soul, or you can go, have righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit eternally with that soul. Okay, so now, Linda, let's pick up 12. That we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Yahshua, in whom ye also trusted, after ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Okay, now I want to talk to you about uh, just something for a minute about that trust. Now, when I had my children, everybody in my husband's Catholic family and people in my Methodist family expected us to baptize our children. We were baptized in the church and they expected us to baptize our kids, not understanding that wasn't going to happen. Now, the reason that we could go and not physically baptize our children is because we just read what we, uh, Linda just read, that we trusted after we heard the word of truth. What's the word of truth that I'm talking about? What's the word of truth that Kathy talked about with the Passover or the Lord's Supper? The word of truth, she read it, is that those things had to be fulfilled. And once they were fulfilled, they're moved out of the way. And the word of truth that abides in our heart lets us know my kids aren't in any danger because they weren't physically water baptized because they were baptized in the name. They were baptized in Yahshua, the Messiah, the one that will be able to save a soul. See, and we're talking about the Lord's Supper. Am I concerned that my kids have never had a Lord's Supper? I am not. 
because it's not physical any longer. See, and she's talked about here in whom you trusted after you heard the word of truth. Now you hear that word of truth when you come to class, you hear that word of truth, okay? And it is the gospel of your salvation, but you have to have that opened up by the Holy Spirit. And guess what? It's not just for that day. It says you're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, where did that promise come in? Can you guys go over and get Acts? That first um, part where it talks about um, Yahshua was telling the disciples, there's a Holy Spirit of promise and it happened on the day of Pentecost, which is 33 AD. And then again, on uh, 40 AD to the Gentiles, but it keeps going, okay? So he's talking about, let me see here. The gift of the Holy Spirit is um, Acts 1 and 4. We can just start there. I'm just picking it up quick. Um, Acts. Go ahead, Dave. Acts 1 and 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. So see, all these promises are going to start to come to pass. And you know, the thing about Yahshua is you can read, Yahshua is Yahweh Elohim. He's come in the flesh and he was first in that visionary shape and form. And you can read back there in Deuteronomy, he cannot lie. So these promises that were made are now coming to pass. And, and that's a beautiful thing. We're talking about trust and it's hard to trust. And this Yahshua has let us know in our hearts and in our minds, you could, he is the truth. You, you got all the trust you need. Go ahead. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence. Okay, drop down to eight. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So you see how that promise, see the Holy Spirit of promise. So he told them back there, he's talking to the disciples, but it's going to come upon all the ones that are selected or that are chosen, right? And it says that believe. But you know, you can't believe unless the Holy Spirit lets you believe. That's the power uh, of the whole thing. Uh, it's Ephesians 1.13. Okay, read Ephesians 1.13. I'm sorry. No problem. Uh, Ephesians 1.13. In whom ye also trusted after ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after ye believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. And so at the gospel, not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, although they are good news because they talk about Yahshua coming on the scene, moving away, you know, the old covenant and doing the things that he did. But the gospel, the good news is that Yahshua's death, burial, resurrection, and outpouring of that Holy Spirit and the hearts and minds of the Jews first, and then seven years later to the Gentiles, the good news is it's the Holy Spirit of promise. Okay, go ahead and read 14. Who is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession 
unto the praise of his glory unto the praise of his glory and that's what we're always talking about because when you look at something that was so desolate you can even think about a fixer-upper you know these people go into these homes and they are they're a mess okay and these people go in there with the knowledge and the tools and the you know the, the team the crew and they make these houses they flip them they call it well we call it conversion converted okay that your soul will be converted and this holy spirit of promise that abides within us now right who is the earnest of our inheritance we're talking about being an heir and heirs get inheritances and in the flesh it can get really really crazy but in the spirit it is beautiful how we are going to get that holy spirit until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory and that's those souls now if you look over in first corinthians the 28th chapter okay because we're talking about to the praise of yahshua's glory so he was given a work to do and i think kathy may have read that she may not have but it was like yahshua was given the works of the father to finish that's in john the fifth chapter up above uh i think it's 36 37 536 but anyway, if you go over to 1 Corinthians and you look at, uh, okay, I have to find it on the side of the page for me. It talks about him. Let's see. Okay, so it's 1 Corinthians, it's 15, and it's talking about this Yahshua being risen, okay, from the dead. And we're not just talking about Easter Sunday and sunrise service. Now, my, my family went to that for years and years and years sunrise service they don't do it anymore but they did it for years and years and that was a big thing for them to get up at 5 a.m and go on a hill and watch the sunrise and that's about as good as the heathens did back there you can read all about that i forget where it is right now but back there and anyway let's just finish this down because i'm sure i'm running out of time go ahead so um dave or linda it's 15 and we're talking about yashua being raised and, the, and I hope that you're seeing that I am hitting the point about this Passover and him being raised, having finished and moved the Passover out of the way. Now, what's going to happen? Because we're talking about the praise and the glory of Yahshua. How is that going to happen? So read down in 20. Read kind of fast. Who dares to read? Uh, First I think Corinthians Dave, 15 oh, and 20. Yep. Okay, First Corinthians fifteen twenty. But now is Joshua risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept? For since by man came death, but by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Yahshua shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Yahshua the firstfruits, then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered, he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest 
that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that Yahweh may be all in all. Now, I know that was a lot, but it was necessary to read the whole thing because what I want to, when we were in Ephesians, we were talking about after this Holy Spirit and the, per, the prized possession is our souls. And that prized possession, thank you, I see that. Our, the prized possession is us in Yahshua as his bride, safe and sound, okay? Now, at the time when the last enemy, which is death, death is the enemy, right? When he's put all that under his feet, and don't forget, we're in the body. So we're, it's under his feet. We don't have to worry about that, okay? But when he saith all things are put under him, this is Joshua, everything is put under him. The last enemy being death, all those ordinances, all that carnal stuff, everything is gone, okay? When he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest or it is known or it is shown that he is accepted, Yahweh Elohim is accepted, who did put all things under him because this is the purpose coming down, right? And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then the son also himself be subject unto him, Yahshua, the Messiah, or Yahweh Elohim, that put all things under him, that Yahweh Elohim is going to be all in all. And what I mean by that, folks, is just getting back to the way the spirit moved. He, he was Yahweh. He came into shape and form as Yahweh Elohim. He came down and manifest in the flesh as Yahshua. Now, what I'm saying is this Yahshua, he has become now, he is a, he's the Holy Spirit in, in the flesh, in our flesh, in the hearts and minds. And he's going to hand it back to Yahweh Elohim. And Yahweh Elohim at that point is going to be the all in all. Now, does it stop there? No, of course not, because this has got to be handed back to Yahweh. And it's Dr. Kinley talks about it and people have talked about it in our class that we will go on. This is one week in eternity. And we will go on in creations and weeks of eternity to come in this righteousness with our husband, Yahshua the Messiah. So we don't want to be dib dabbling around with crackers and grape juice because it just doesn't do it anymore. It may have done it when you were young in your heart and mind and you didn't know the difference or you didn't know there was anything more. But once you find out there's more, there is no satisfying your soul to go dib dabbing back in the church. And Dr. Kinley said it. He said, once you see this thing, I'm not worried about you. I'm not worried about you going to church and I'm not going to go with you. Like I got to protect you or I got to wink or show you yes or no. I'm not going to do that. Once you see this thing, you are sealed in that Holy Spirit of promise. I thank you for the time. And I'd like to introduce our third speaker as the Dean of our Oceanside branch, Dr. Dennis Volpe. Good evening, everyone. I want to do a sound check. Can everybody yeah, hear me okay? Yep. Okay, thank you very much for that. Now, I really enjoyed uh, what was said by the first two speakers. They brought out a lot of uh, good points uh, about how Yahweh's purpose operates and how he set up this whole 
uh, event that we read about over here in Matthew for our scripture reading tonight, which is the Passover. And what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about the Passover because something came to my mind that I, I want to share with you. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, would you get me the Moses chart again, please? All right. Now, first of all, let's go back to the inception of the Passover down in the land of Egypt. <clears throat> now, what we've got down there is that Yahweh set it up so that the Passover has, there has to be something that precedes the Passover. Before they had that uh, supper there with the lamb and the blood on the door, something else was a prerequisite that had to be in put in there uh, in order for this event to take place. And that is that under the law, you cannot eat the Passover unless you are circumcised. Without circumcision, you're not able to partake of that Passover. So what we find out is that the Israelites, of course, down here in Egypt, uh, were, were circumcised. And when the Passover came, remember that that was the Passover that the uh, to illustrate that the death angel that was the 10th plague is about to come over the land of Egypt and slay every one of the firstborn. Now, Yahweh provided a way, we know, to save Israel, the whole nation, from that death of the uh, death angel. And that is because Yahweh already pronounced that the whole nation of Israel was his son, even his firstborn. Now, once he set that mark on them, they all were in jeopardy of being killed by that angel in the uh, plague that we call the death of the firstborn. Now, what Yahweh did, Yahweh Elohim told them to take out a lamb. And we know that that lamb, was, this was talked about by Kathy when she was up there, that lamb is a figure of Yahshua himself. And we know that he had to be taken out uh, on the 10th, of that month, and then held over to the 14th before he was actually, that that lamb was slain. Now, the, Dr. Kinley had taught us how those the, the, those four days represent the 4,000 years from, Mo, uh, from Adam all the way down to Yahshua the Messiah. One day is as a thousand years. So we have 4,000 years before the, the lamb's already chosen right from the first day. But it wasn't until the fourth day that that lamb was going to be offered up. Now, what we recognize is, is that there were two prerequisites here with the people when they were in that household down in Egypt. Number one, they had to have a lamb that was male. We know all the, all the things were already laid down of what, what was the factors that the lamb would be chosen under. Now, the people had to kill that lamb. They had to put the blood around the lintels on the inside of the house and their doors, and they had to eat the lamb which shows that they're saved by the blood of the lamb and by the lamb then being in them, which was a prerequisite for them to be spared from that death. Now, we also know that this Passover is a Passover where they're coming also from that land of Egypt, which was a state of complete uh, you know, representation of the physical, and there was the plague of darkness that had occurred before the 10th plague. They're coming out at night, and they are passing over from a land that is now devastated by death 
by the, uh, the angel that came through, and passing over unto life, which is on the other side of that Red Sea. So what Yahweh does is he reveals to him, or I say reveal, he manifests to them that to stand still and see the salvation that Yahweh will show you this day. So what we understand is those people are being saved through a process of salvation. They have to have the lamb in them. They have to have the blood being put on the inside of their houses to represent that the blood is in them. And we know that they were circumcised. Uh-oh, what happened? Can everybody hear me? All of a sudden, the screen went... Is everybody hearing me okay? Yeah, you're good. All right. My screen went black. I'm sorry. I thought maybe I got disconnected. I, I'm very sorry. So what I'm trying to lead you to here is this. That these people are passing over from death unto life in this Passover. They are passing over after being recipients of the Lamb and also seeing the salvation that Yahweh shows them. That is what accomplishes the Passover from the land of Egypt into the wilderness of Sinai. Now, I'm saying that because I'm setting up for something else I want you to know. There are two Passovers, not just one. Now, when we take the Passover, and I want to talk about the Passover that took place from the wilderness of Sinai into the promised land, or into the land of Canaan. And I want to show you how Yahweh set something up there. Now, we know that the first generation that came up into the, the wilderness of Sinai did not believe the true report. And therefore, because they rejected the report of Joshua, Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb, they were uh, uh, sentenced to 40 years in that wilderness and that their carcasses would fall. Now, there was a second generation that was born from them. That second generation is a type of those that are born again. That is to say, the first generation, uh, what's coming forth from them is a new generation, which is second born. Now, in the wilderness, that second generation had not been circumcised while they were in the wilderness. Let's go over to Joshua, the fifth chapter, please. Uh, let's go to, let's see here. I don't know if we want to pick it up. Uh, I'm looking up. Well, I got a little, I got more time than I realized. I thought I was already uh, fighting the clock, but I think I have a little bit more time to work with this. Okay. Now, Joshua, the fifth chapter, they've come down. Start reading at one, and I, I won't take a lot of time through the, except for the, uh, into the scripture that I want to highlight or really get into. And it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the side of the Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that Yahweh had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we were passed over. Now there they are. There's a Passover that this, that this is referring to. Read. That their heart melted, neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. Keep reading. At that time, Yahweh Elohim said unto Joshua, Make these sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. Now listen, here he's talking about a second circumcision. And he told Yahshua, the son of Nun, who's a, obviously that's Yahweh Elohim walking amongst them, which is a, I have to say this, that's the reality of Yahweh Elohim, but in the same sense, it's also a manifestation of Yahshua the Messiah. He's playing both roles here. So what I want you to see is that 
uh, Yahshua was commissioned to take sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel uh, the second time. Now, I happened to be in Dr. Kinley's living room when somebody came up from the L.A. class who wanted to ask him a question. He wanted to know, how do you circumcise somebody twice? How could the children of Israel, in this very uh, Joshua, the fifth chapter, be circumcised twice? And Dr. Kinley said they were not circumcised uh, there in the wilderness, the second generation. And his next question, which was a very good one, he said, well, then how could they eat the Passover? Because the law stated that they had to be circumcised to eat the Passover. Now, what I want you to know is this, that yeah, Dr. Kelly went on to explain how that, uh, where you read over there, and I believe it's in Colossians, the first or second chapter, but I, I don't want to take the time to get it. I can find it later if you need to. It talks about a circumcision made without hands. And Dr. Kinley said that Yahshua, the son of Nun, was Yahweh Elohim dwelling in that body of Israel. Now I'm talking about the whole nation representing a one son or a body. And that he was dwelling in that body was a representation of them walking with the Holy Spirit, in other words. He said then, therefore... Uh, they were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by that manifestation. Now, keep reading, because I want to develop this and show you how this ties right into the Passover. And Joshua <laughs> gave him sharp, sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. Go ahead. And, th and this is the reason why Joshua or Yahshua did circumcise all the people who came out of Egypt who were males, even all the men of war died in the wilderness, by the way, after they came out of Egypt. Mm -hmm. Now, all the people who came out were circumcised, but all the people who were born in the wilderness, by the way, as they came forth out of Egypt, them they had not circumcised. Mm -hmm. Great. For the, for the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of Yahweh unto whom Yahweh Elohim swore that he would not show them the land which Yahweh swore unto their fathers that he would give us, a land that floweth with milk and honey. Go ahead. And their children, whom he raised up in their stead, them Yahshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised them by the way. All right. Now, here's Yahshua doing the circumcision. Now, why is this necessary? The first Passover was them passing over from death unto life, or in the type, receiving the Holy Spirit, meaning they had the Lamb in them, saved by the blood, and witnessing to salvation. The second Passover is not is with those that are already with the Holy Spirit. I don't mean they had literally the Holy Spirit, and I mean in the manifestation of that body, being that Joshua, the son of Nun, was dwelling within that body, who was Yahweh Elohim. It's a manifestation or type and shadow that they had the Holy Spirit. They were circumcised with a circumcision not made with hands. But now what they're passing over from, from the wilderness to the promised land, is passing over from a from mortality to immortality. Because the Canaan's land 
is a type and shadow, in this case, of them going into the true promised land, which is Joshua himself. Dr. Kelly talked about how Abraham walked the length and the breadth of Canaan's land, but never once set foot in the promised land. And then, of course, he opened it up to me after that and said, uh, he made me understand that it was Joshua is the promised land. And when your soul is put within Yahshua, you are now in the true promised land that the natural one was a type of. So these people are passing from, from mortality in the type to immortality, also passing from being in a natural body, as it were, and without glorification. And in the land of Canaan, we have the temple erected, which is a type of a glorified structure. And therefore, we are lively stones of the temple, so we are passing from mortality to immortality and into glorification. So this Passover is a second Passover. Now, what, keep reading there, because I want to get to something that uh, also says in this fifth chapter. Keep reading. Eight, and it came to pass when they had done circumcising all the people that they abode in their places in the camp till they were healed. Read. And, ya and Yahweh Elohim said unto Joshua, this day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. Now listen, listen. What he's doing is he's rolling the reproach of Egypt off of them. Well, what do you mean? They were born in the wilderness. But I want you to understand something. What this sets up now, when you come into class, you're going to partake of the Passover supper, which is the true bread of life, which is the gospel itself. And you have to have the blood shed uh, by the preaching of the gospel. That's the blood. And it has to go on the inside of you. And it has to be marked on, I, I use the example of a door, but Yahshua said, I am the door. You have to have the blood of the lamb in you. And you have to have the lamb itself uh, uh, manifested right in your soul. So what we have then is we have, when we come into class, we are being circumcised to be able to partake of the knowledge of the purpose and plan and the great mystery that was talked about by Deb when she was up here. That circumcision has to happen before you understand a thing, ladies and gentlemen. Yahshua has to cause something to go on. Now, what is the circumcision when we walk in the door? We walk in carnally minded. And we, by coming down and sitting in a chair when the gospel is preached, and Yahshua causes something to happen. In other words, he causes you to, for the first time in your life, to get to understand something about the spiritual essence or reality of Yahweh. And that could be as simple as you finding out that Yahweh is pure spirit, taking on shape and form in an incorporeal form, and then manifesting in the flesh, what we call the Godhead. These things are being opened up to your understanding by the foolishness of preaching, and you then pass from a carnally-minded state to a spiritual-minded state, which means you pass from death unto life by the preaching of the gospel, which is the blood of the Lamb, then Yahshua taking up presence in your heart and mind and revealing how this is pointing to a reality of Yahweh that you never had before. That is what we experience when we first come in here and we are on our way to being sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, in the second instance, here's what's going on. We now have, within each and every one of us, a soul that has been impregnated with the divine nature. 
Now, that soul that is impregnated with that divine nature is an immortal soul. Now, what do I mean by that? You've just already passed from death unto life. And Dr. Kinley used to say, once you have this thing revealed to you, he says, you are raised from the dead, sitting right there on a chair. Now, here's the resurrection that takes place. You're sitting there on a chair, and you have now passed from death unto life, and life forevermore. Because he used to talk about when Yahshua uh, was, that whole thing that happened with Lazarus, when they thought, he's sick, you got to come and, and take care of Lazarus. And Yahshua let him die and waited four days. There's that four days again. Before he came, <laughs> excuse me, before he came to where Lazarus was, was laid in the tomb, and they were all crying if you had been here. And he said, he, well, he told them at one point that Lazarus was just sleeping. But when he came, he said that you might know that I'm the resurrection of life. This had to happen. I'm putting it in my words. So he called Lazarus forth out of that tomb. Now, Dr. Kinley said they all marveled and were in total awe when he raised Lazarus from the dead. He said, but did you know that Lazarus had to die all over again and go back to that grave? He said, now, when he told the apostles greater things than this will you do, when the gospel is preached from a vessel that has the Holy Spirit preaching the true gospel of Yahweh or Yahshua the Messiah, what is happening is that when that impregnation of his words, and he said, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. And, what, and listen, in the sixth chapter of John, where he talks about this whole thing, he first tells them to eat his body and drink his blood. And they were sickened by it. What do you mean? He said, whoever eats my body and drinks my blood shall live forevermore. Right? That's in your sixth chapter. Now, they thought he was literally talking about eating his flesh, you know, and drinking his, his, blood, his actual physical blood. And later he tells them, listen, it's not the flesh. The flesh doesn't profit anything. He said, the words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So what happens is that... Those words, when the gospel are preached, impregnate your soul. They are principles and spiritual revelations by the things that he's saying of the reality of Yahweh. Now, your soul is now made alive forevermore, which means your soul cannot go back to a dead state that it was when you, walk, when you first walked in. Now, what I'm saying about that is we have an immortal soul now, but we're still in a physical or mortal body. Until such time that these bodies are dissolved or instantaneously changed, as we read over there in 1 Corinthians 15, I think it's 53 if I'm not mistaken. Don't get it. But the point is, the point is, Dr. Kinley said, now what we got is we got a soul now that is immortal, but we're still in a mortal body. He said, now we got to fix that. So what's happening, when we're going to make a Passover from this physical creation with the bodies that we're in, we already have the Holy Spirit. We already have eternal life. He said, we're going to pass over into a state of immortality. Now, when that happens, the body is going to be dissolved, and you're going to receive a new, immortal, glorified body. So what I'm showing you is, this has to take place before we go into the next age, we have to be circumcised. Now, the circumcision that's taking place in every one of us is the continuous cutting away of all of these things that we have born from Egypt, meaning our former 
carnal lives that we've lived in. Our, our concepts, our ideas, our thoughts, our feelings about things, all of it has got to be changed. And we have to take on the divine nature and have that mind of Yahshua in each and every one of us that corrects all of our thinking, how we react, how we feel about things. This is all being this is all being worked by you staying in class and continuing to hear the gospel preached. And we're being prepared. He's rolling, he's going to roll the a reproach of Egypt off us. In other words, he's going to take away this physical body. And we're going to cross over or pass over into immortality in a glorified state. Because when Yahshua appears in all of his glory, we will be like him. We'll be, we'll be right there with him just like he is. Because we're members of his body and we're now in the promised land. So what I want you to see is this Passover has an implication of the way you are going through your, quote, journey. Just as the children of Israel are taking the trek from Egypt to the wilderness to Canaan's land. And Dr. Kinley used to say that if you understood what was on this Moses chart, the whole purpose of Yahweh is being conveyed on that Moses chart. Now, you've got to take that same migratory trek yourself, psychologically and spiritually. And this is, there is a double Passover, just like there was a double circumcision. The second circumcision was not so that they could eat the Passover because they already were partaking of it for 40 years in the wilderness, that second generation. It's so that we could go over and receive our inheritance in Yahshua the Messiah. Now, we already are chosen in him from the foundation of the world, as Deb had just talked about, and we are adopted. And boy, I got something on that, but I don't have the time to explain on it, but I'm going to talk about that maybe another night. But my point is, all of us, all of us now, ladies and gentlemen, are being prepared for the, as it were, inheritance of an immortal, glorified body and a, a dwelling in the new heaven and new earth state. We're being prepared while we're with the Holy Spirit, continuing on right down here in class in these physical bodies. That preparation has to take place. And listen, what happens is every one of us from a natural, I mean, from a standpoint of our condition that we're in, none of us are perfect yet in our understanding. We all can be corrected still. We all can have some point or whatever wrong. While was yet we have the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know that Yahshua is making corrections in each and every one of us. And every time he corrects something that we thought, that we thought this was the way it was, then by revelation we find out, no, it's, it's really different than the way you thought it was. You know, and, and some of us have, have had this experience, so you know what I'm talking about. We have to be able to accept correction. That is still a cutting away. That is still part of the circumcision process, ladies and gentlemen. And Doc said, what I got instantaneously, you're going to get piecemeal. So we're being continuously circumcised when we come to class, and we're becoming, uh, as it were, moving towards the mark of the prize of the high calling in Yahshua the Messiah. And that high calling, that prize, is not getting the Holy Spirit because you already have it. And so did Paul when he made the statement. It is you being perfect in Yahshua. That is to say, to have a perfect understanding and be perfected in the divine nature. And that's going on through growth, the growth process that we're all undertaking while we're in class. 
And that's why Paul said, he that has begun a good work in you will perform it unto the end. We're not finished yet, ladies and gentlemen. We're still going to accept correction and chastisement as we go along. But because we have that right spirit in us, we will bow, we will humble ourselves, and we will accept correction. We will accept the chastisement. We're right there where they were. And listen, do you know that when they were in Gilgal there, where they were circumcised, that's in the land of Canaan. But they had not passed over the Jordan yet to pursue and take the cap, uh, get rid of the inhabitants of that land and have their parcels given to them by Joshua in the 24th chapter, you know, where it talks about he's giving each tribe the part of uh, their inheritance that's up in the land of Canaan. We are about to make that transition and pass over from, Im from mortality to immortality. And so I guess what I'm trying to get you to see is this Passover has far-reaching uh, 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 things in it that we should consider and recognize how the purpose of Yahweh operates and how it's working. So when we read tonight that Yahshua had the apostles there, he was preparing them for the advent of Pentecost, obviously, the receiving of the Holy Spirit. And as we understand, we know that the 15th, 16th, 17th chapters of John are all talking about uh, what is ha what Yash was telling them uh, for that Passover, knowing that he is going to be taken out, crucified. They're going to be the sheep are going to be scattered, and then they will be gathered together again. They'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and then they will be able to carry out what he instructed them in the 14, 15, and 16 chapters where he talks about that they that the whole the comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, will come and comfort you. And what I've told you in darkness, preach ye in light, shout it from the rooftops. And he was telling them that it'll bring back to your remembrance whatsoever I have said of you. All this is preparatory for them to go out and preach the gospel once they have the Holy Spirit. Now, this also has its roots also in the resurrection. The resurrection is a very important aspect of recognizing the Passover because Israel was resurrected from a state of death unto life. And in the case of now, the resurrection that we see with them passing over from the wilderness into the promised land, as I say, uh, Canaan's land, is a resurrection from one state to the other. Now, I think all of us are looking forward to the resurrection of getting out of the flesh and being in that state of, of that uh, state of righteousness, peace, and joy 24-7, no devil on our back anymore, just experiencing the fruits of what lies up there in the land of Canaan. And the, the fruit has been brought back. Dr. Kinley brought us back fruit. The fruit was being bore by the law and the prophets. Just like Joshua and Caleb carried back uh, the fruit from Canaan's land as proof that there was a land flowing with milk and honey, then Dr. Kinley brought us back the law and the prophets and allowed us to partake of the fruit that was laid up in the scriptures. And now we, we are now representing to the world that this promise that Yahweh has made that the fruit can be tasted, now you're getting the earnest of the Spirit. And you know, it's very popular nowadays 
that when you go to places like you go to Costco, for an example, they always got samples out there that they're handing out to people to try different things so that they'll purchase them, of course. Now, what we're getting is piecemeal. We're getting samples of what lies beyond the veil. And when we taste it, and you know, usually when you taste these samples that they give you, they're delectable. And you say, geez, i got to pick some of that up and bring it home. Because the taste sold you right then and there. Well, once you taste what this teaching really is about, and where it has come from, and what it's able to do for you, and what it's about able to cause a reaction in you of peace and joy, and also to see the righteousness of Yahshua when the Spirit is manifested through you. That's his righteousness, not yours. But when we taste that fruit, we're ready to go up and fight whatever it's going to take to fight against those giants up there in the land of Canaan so that we might be partakers of it. And this is what we're doing now. We're fighting off the devil and his imps that are working us over daily. And what's helping us is, is that we've tasted the fruit, and when they try to weaken us and try to get us to give up, we understand that what we tasted is worth continuing on in it, continuing to try to get uh, uh, your strength back. Sometimes we come to class and we need, as some people used to say this, say, well, I got a shot in the arm tonight, meaning that they got something that gave them back, brought them back to having energy and zeal for the gospel when they were feeling down and depressed and maybe a little bit tired. We need to continuously remember the sweetness of the fruit that we've had and be able to bring that back in our memories by recognizing, don't give up on this thing. What you've got, this is just a sample. Imagine what lies beyond the veil for you at the end of this age. And remember, it's worth you giving up everything to be a partaker of the treasures that are laid up in Yahshua the Messiah. All the treasures that Yahweh would bestow in terms of knowing something about him in that state of pure spirit and understanding those divine attributes is reflected and manifested through Yahshua the Messiah. In him is all the treasures. And listen, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you treasure the things that have been opened up and revealed to you, and you've acquired a taste for it, there's no going back to Egypt for the melons, onions, leeks, and garlic, as they say over there in the wilderness. We want this fruit that is up there in the land of Canaan, which is the fruit of the Spirit. That's what it represents. And so what I'm saying to you is, uh, the supper, ladies and gentlemen, Joshua told them there at that supper, he said, I will not eat this or drink this with you till I drink it and eat it anew in my Father's kingdom. Now, his Father's kingdom is the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit was poured out, that's when they became partakers of the true wine and bread and, and flesh of the Holy Spirit. And that's why when Peter came out, they perceived that he was drunk. They thought he was drunk. And they said, well, how can this be? It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. How can he be drunk already? But he was drunk on a new wine. They said they, they, they felt he was drunk on a new wine. Well, the new wine, ladies and gentlemen, is the revelations that you receive from coming to class. 
That's the new wine. And we don't want to keep new wine. Thank you. I see the five minutes. We don't want to keep new wine in old skins. We need new skins for this wine, ladies and gentlemen. Or in other words, the skin that we're in is our physical body. We want to get a new body to go along with what... Because truthfully, the body that you have in the flesh is not capable to be able to handle or absorb the great wealth of knowledge and revelation that will be given to us in the ages yet to come. That new body will be so far above in capacity of intelligence and wisdom and understanding than what we have now that we want to put on that new body. We want to be circumcised of this reproach of Egypt, and we want to be a partaker of Yahshua after this age is over with. We are partaking now of the things that Yahshua has given us in this, in this life that we can comprehend. And all I'm telling you is you haven't seen nothing yet. Because what we're going to get after this pales in comparison. This can pales in comparison to what we're going to get after this. And if you don't believe that, I'm afraid something's missing. Because this belief that there's something waiting for us that's far more valuable and, and satisfying than what we've had in this flesh, this is a big part of what we're trying to accomplish with you when you come to class and you hear the gospel preach. We're hoping that you are hang, holding out for the rest of the story, for the rest of your inheritance. What we don't want you to do is to be like Esau. Esau sold his birthright for a morsel of flesh and later sought it with tears to try to get it back, and there was no repentance found for him. Now, you don't want to be one of those ones that have come to class and come this far and heard these things, and at the end of this age, when Yahshua appears in all of his glory and does not choose you to put you on the right side, he puts you on the side of the goats, you don't want to be in that state because there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see what Yahshua is giving us and you can't receive it. And that's the story of uh, Lazarus and the rich man, where the rich man was in pain and suffering, and he saw, he saw Lazarus just in a state of joy and peace, and he realized there was a gulf fixed between them. He realized he could never have that. You don't want to experience that. You want Yahshua to say, Come ye, beloved of my, my Father, come ye into the kingdom that has been prepared for you from the foundations of the world. And so, uh, you know, all I can tell you is, is that you stay in class, and as Yahshua says in, over there in Revelation, the third chapter, I stand at the door and knock. If you open up, I will come in and sup with you. So if you want the Passover... Keep coming to class if you want to partake of the supper. Stay with us. Don't tire and don't let the devil wear you down and, and get convince you that it's worth selling this, this eternal life inheritance you have for something that you want to acquire in the flesh because you will you will be sorry uh, uh, terribly sorry and broken apart when you if you miss what Yahshua is going to give us at the close of this age. I hope that made some sense. I hope it was encouraging. Stay with this thing. I'll pass it back to the moderator and say peace in Yahshua to all the brethren. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Dennis Volpe. Very encouraging. Um, I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in uh, to our Zoom as well as on our YouTube.
and um, let everybody know that we do meet in person on Saturday night from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. at the Jordan Bramley Library. So if you're interested in a, a live class, we're there every Saturday night. And um, I'd like to end the class with the doxology taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise Elohim, our savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our sovereign, belong glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both before all time and now and ever. Let us all say hallelujah. Hallelujah.